Hunger is a brand new Thai movie on Netflix, and I had an absolute blast with this one. It stars Okpap, who you will remember as playing the lead in Bad Genius, which was a massive movie here in Malaysia. It ran mm. in cinemas for months. I watched it three times in the cinemas. I really loved that film, and once again, watching this Thai movie. Made me incredibly depressed because our neighbors in the north have such incredible skill, and I couldn't see any world in which we were capable of producing a movie like this today. We've had some real surprising turnouts in the last couple of years, but even then, probably not this high. Both of us really enjoyed the Gajanda. We really enjoyed Imaginor, but watching Hunger. Everything about it, from the music to the production to the design to the performances, all of it just sings, and the narrative as well. I mean, it tells the story of Oi, who is a street chef in a roadside restaurant, and she makes noodles. But her noodles are so good, and she gets recognized by a chef that works for one of the highest end restaurants in Bangkok called Hunger. Which is led by this tyrant of a chef called Chef Paul. This guy approaches her in her restaurant one day and is like, "You're too good to be working here. Come audition, basically. We need a new chef." And that's how the story kind of kicks off. But of course, the movie is a lot more than what we saw in the bear or even the menu. And I think this is where the hunger really shines because the menu was this. Critical satire of all of the assholes that like to eat at fine dining restaurants. The bear was the opposite. It was almost a look at what it's like in the kitchen, and the chef who worked at a Michelin star restaurant who has to then slum it in a diner in Chicago. What hunger does for me is hunger kind of brings both of these elements together. And this movie feels like a sharp critique of both of those things. It is both a sharp critique of the fine dining establishment and the assholes, elitists who like to go and eat there. And I thought that was a very clever thing that it did. You're right. It's very much a critique of both sides of essentially the menu. It's weird because Chef Paul, this maniacal, this tyrannical kitchen. Tycoon, on one hand, making fun of the rich people who essentially make his bones, but at the same time, also look down on other people who are just eating simple food. So even on a personality level, none of them really sort of do just the one thing. I think they may be saying something about the rich people who don't know what they're eating or who are just eating because they're doing it for the grab. But at the same time, what does it say about him who only feed the people who do it for the gram? And of course, all of that is earned as well throughout the movie because when we learn of Chef Paul's origin story, we understand why he is the way he is, and it's the same with all of the other players involved, from Chef Oi to 
the investors who want to invest in these restaurants to the people who hire them to come up with creative menus and interesting ideas for their parties and their extravagant galas there's a lot going on in this movie and what it does very well is that it pays attention to all of these subplots and so by the time i'm done with the movie the way everything ends makes me feel like everyone came to the appropriate conclusion. There's a real nice tying up of not just the two main characters, but even the the side characters sort of come together. I think even if you don't see it, is enough to give us like, oh, okay, these characters are going to move along nicely. The amount of attention that is paid to the production of this is very impressive, especially with regards to the kind of food that is on display. So each of these gala events that are catered for throughout this movie have different thematic elements, and I think the fine dining and the depiction of the fine dining, especially in the final showdown between the two chefs, is something I've never seen before on screen, and I think that's very cool. Like the menu did it as well with every course. We got to see how dramatic Ray Fiennes would make each thing, but with this one yeah. in that final gala, when Chef Paul rolls out that giant slab of meat, and we won't tell you what he does with it, but it's so cool, it's so impressive, it's so it's almost like a dance as he's preparing this food. Something that was mentioned in your interview with the cast and crew, there was a lot of thought that was put out with regards to. What the kind of food would be for specific characters to eat? I watched that interview prior to watching the film, so I wasn't quite sure what he meant. But it was only after seeing the movie that I realized that he meant the food that was being designed by Chef Paul for these sort of events that he puts together for these rich dumbasses. Right? There's a real visceralness to it that's more than just, oh look, I'm cutting a steak. You can read into it quite nicely, which I really, really like. To not be too punny about it, you can really, you know, chew your way through those ideas, lah. I think Hunger is a very good example of a movie that takes a derivative story and breathes new life into it. Because Chef Oi's story, Okbap's character is something we've seen before. The street chef who strives to be something special who wants yearns to be something special and then when she gets it realizes that maybe it's not everything that it seems right i mean that's a standard narrative plot for so many hollywood movies and yet i think it is the execution and the delivery of this and given the thai context and also if you understand i guess thai culture why what chef paul does in such a polite respectful culture is considered so out there and strange and i think when you consider all of those elements you get a movie that feels somewhat unique despite the hero's journey being a familiar one in many ways hunger reminded me a lot of like a k drama because of all of the subplots that were going on in this movie and yet it felt all the richer for it because all of it kind of tied back into the main story and Worked towards showing you who Chef Paul in particular really was, because throughout the film, I don't know about you, Bahe, but I was torn. There were moments when I was like, "Oh, maybe it's a front. I think Chef Paul may not be so bad." And then he would do and say something that would completely turn me around again. So I think the way they kind of played with your emotions 
was interesting because there are times when I was just like, yes, it's a front, it's a suit of armor because he clearly went through some shit as a child or something. And then he does something completely heinous and you're like, oh, you son of a bitch. On one hand, you think, yeah, maybe he is on a quest to find new flavors. And maybe he is on a quest to show up these rich people who want and think they want the high life with the fancy foods. But at the same time, you also go, maybe he's just a chef trying to get by, (laughs) you know? Where really does he fall? And I think that complication makes him a more interesting character, a more rounded character, a more real character. But I think that's what makes him so fascinating, right? In the fact that there is that passion that drives him as a chef and that quest towards discovery, because I think that's something that drives any kind of creative person, whether you're a filmmaker, whether you're a writer, whether you're a chef. What this movie kind of tries to put forward is how far is too far, right? And where does where does his ambition stop with regards to what is morally right and wrong? Yeah. Both of us love watching food television, whether it's documentaries or movies about food. God knows we've seen lots of it. I enjoy reading a lot of food-related books, not necessarily just cookbooks, Mm. but also kind of biographical works about chefs. And I think you can see where the inspirations for this movie come from. And there are a lot of elements, like I think Anthony Bourdain has a very famous story about him trying out the Ortolan delicacy, which is an illegal food. You're not supposed to kill Ortolans because they are protected birds in France. But At the same time, there are people who still cull them illegally in the south of France. And yet there is this whole ritual to eating them. And Anthony Bourdain describes how you have to cover your face with a cloth. Mm. And like nobody sees each other. And it's almost like this cult-like ritual when it comes to eating this illegal French delicacy. And at the same time, you're thinking, eh, it's a fucking bird. I bet it tastes like chicken, right? But... Yeah, rich people will go to great lengths into crafting an experience for themselves to make themselves feel special. And a lot of hunger seems built around that idea, which I really, really love. It's in the motto of Chef Paul's restaurant, right? It's when you can afford anything, you don't eat because you're hungry. You eat because you're bored. You eat because you want to show off. You eat because you want to be with people. Where Chef Paul falls on that, I'm still unsure. Let me put it this way. At the end of the movie, I was left disliking Chef Paul, but still unsure as to where he stands on certain things, which I think is a very good thing. I'm not complaining. I think he is a rich enough character that I've been introduced to over these two hours and 30 odd minutes that I was left wondering even at the end of the film. And also, you know, just like the menu, just like the bear I think this movie comes at an interesting time. It feels like there is this international preoccupation with food and the culture surrounding it. God knows over the last decade or so, we've seen a real proliferation of all kinds of content, not just the stuff on TV, but also the stuff online, of books, of magazines. Everyone seems to be addressing this fascination that people have with eating and eating well. Of course, like all of these subcultures, there is a heightened element to it as well when it comes to the Michelin restaurants. Like even Malaysia getting its first Michelin guide was such a big deal in that 
it grabbed the public consciousness. It was headlines in tons of newspapers and online publications. It doesn't really matter, but at the same time, there is a culture and a cult that's been built around it. And so I think it's only natural that writers and filmmakers want to dissect that. And I think watching The Hunger, watching The Bear, watching The Menu, I don't know about you, but God knows it's made me rethink about my approach to these things, about those lines outside a donut shop, which is supposedly the best donuts in the world, or you yeah. know, waiting three months to get a reservation at a pizza restaurant or something like that, and what yeah, it means. Yeah. I don't know. It's something I never spent too much time thinking about in the past because I was just like, oh, I hear it's good. I got to try it out. It might be a cool experience. But then there is all of this other stuff yeah. about the chefs, about, about how it affects our culinary culture. All of this other stuff is happening as well, right? Having grown up with a sister who has turned out to become a chef, it's, it's oh, yeah. always been the idea that yeah, there's that thing. She explained to me very early on that the Michelin chef, the Michelin guide thing isn't really... Yes, it's a guide of quality, but it's not... It shouldn't be seen as the ultimate purveyor of quality. It's this idea that these guys were able to try out seven different shops and these were their favorite three. They're not going to go to every shop. And I think that's kind of what the Michelin guide has slowly accepted itself to be. And I think what a lot of people miss about the Michelin Guide as well is one of its primary driving forces is consistency. It's a guide of consistency as well. Because yep. these people go back to the same restaurant multiple times to see if it is consistent. And so if you take Nirwana Maju, for example, in Bangsa, even though it's consistently bad in serving cold food all the time, for some reason, <laughs> it made it onto the guide lah. No, but here's, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the other thing that people need to realize about the Michelin chef. I know this is now becoming that podcast now, but the reason it's called the Michelin chef. No, but guy you know, that's exactly what this movie inspires, right? These yes, kinds yes, of conversations. Yes, yes. Sure. Yeah, yeah. But I think, again, what I was going to say was that the reason the Michelin Guide was called, is called the Michelin Guide is because it's sponsored by the Michelin Tire Company as a way to get people to travel and try out different restaurants and try out different foods. So the idea is the Michelin Guide is not for you, the local. It's for them, the tourist. So you would pull up the Michelin Guide when you go to Paris. Yeah, but also it was so you drive around France and use their tires lah. But also, this was in the 1960s, lah. You know, whatever, right? Now, there's Facebook, Yelp, Instagram. There are many ways to find out what's a good thing to eat. And I think the Michelin Guide is great for a restaurant to get as a sticker. But whether or not it's a real indication of much is up to you to decide, lah, as the person who's consuming the content. Food, like so many other things, is incredibly subjective. And your palate as well is so subjective based on what you've grown up eating, what you've enjoyed eating. And I think that's another thing that hunger does very well, which is to just show people how much artifice there is in that world. And we see it in the menu as well. Just this artifice of liking something because you're supposed to like something. There's a really funny TikTok video that I saw where this guy was with his wife and drinking whiskey and going on about how much he loves whiskey. And his wife is just going, really though? Do you really love 
the peatiness <laughs> and how it tastes? Don't you just prefer yeah. a soda? And he's like, oh my God, yes, sodas just taste so much better and they've got so many flavors and it's wonderful. Yeah. And the wife is just like, it's okay, you're still my big man. And I'm like, yeah. And you know, that's 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 the thing, right? Like, do you really like the way whiskey tastes? Do you really like the way beer tastes? Or are you just doing it because it's supposed to be, you're supposed to like it and supposed to look cool? And it applies across the board, right? For the longest mm. time, I had to pretend to like 2001 A Space Odyssey. Now, I understand that the movie is foundational. I get it. I get that yeah, we wouldn't yeah. have Interstellar without it. But at the same time, every time I sit down to watch that movie, I'm just like, what's happening? Why is this thing? What? <laughs> I just, I'm so bored. I feel like it plays out better as a book. Because then you can go yes. back three pages. You can put it down for seven weeks or something. I feel like that entire prologue with the prehistoric man is unnecessary. That was it unnecessary. It just feels like French fucking art house cinema. I mean, to be fair, even in the book, that whole thing with the baby was confusing. So, you know... Yeah, but you know, you're right. Uh, I think there is a question of whether or not you're supposed to like something for liking it or if whether you're supposed yes. to present whether or not you like it. I think I think Hunger does that very well. And it shows it from the point of view of the chef. It doesn't necessarily show it from the point of view of, of the consumer, but rather from the point of view of the creator of like, yes, look at me. I am pulling up this live lobster in front of you. I'm cracking open its skull. I'm pulling out these pieces. I'm laying it down on a piece of slate with sauce in just disgusting gray and whites and little pieces of caviar. And as the rich motherfucker who paid me too much money to come here and prepare this food, picks up his first piece of lobster, I tusk at him and to tell him to not just shove it in your mouth, but to dip it in the sauce first before you do it. So it's a it's it's a both power play, it's a showing off of both people in that instance are showing off, right? Chef Paul is showing off, the rich bastard is also showing off. And I think hunger does that beautifully. It does. We strongly urge you to check this movie out. We think you will enjoy it. It is very, very interesting. And just a real triumph coming out of Thailand as well. So good job, Netflix, for making this happen. Let us know what you think once you've seen it. You know how you can reach out. All of our social media feeds are GogglerMY. You can also email us at podcast at goggler.my or send us a WhatsApp on the Goggler hotline, 012-524-5208. If you drop us a line on any one of those platforms, we will send you a link to join our Discord server where you can chat with us in real time. Thank you so much for listening. This is the Goggler Podcast. <laughs>